From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. This is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And today our topic is veteran suicide. And joining me by telephone from San Antonio, Texas, is Father Alejandro J. De Jesus, who is a chaplain at the Audie L. Murphy Memorial VA Medical Center in San Antonio. Father De Jesus, thank you so much for talking to me. Great to be here. Father De Jesus, veterans in the United States are killing themselves at a rate of 17 a day. That's according to the VA. What's going on? Um, let me correct you there and try to say um, it's about 20.7 a day. And uh, of this, uh, uh, over 18 million are males. And uh, there are uh, a lot of um, causes to this, if uh, we may um, kind of uh, start to discuss that. There are uh, risk factors where uh, veterans, uh, because of mental health conditions of various sizes, um, uh, uh, fall into into this, um, of course, um, uh, tragedy, and uh, this is uh, uh, caused by many things, uh, not just uh, mental health conditions like PTSD or military sexual trauma or moral injury, but it's also the stress that comes with um, uh, life events like divorce or death of a loved one, and uh, many times, uh, rather. 65% of those who commit to try, who attempted to do it the first time, become successful the second time. So uh, these are all the many factors that contribute to veteran suicide right now. How often and, do you encounter this, Father, in your work at the VA in San Antonio? Uh, let's just say that um, while we have um, a unit for mental health concerns, almost all veterans. Uh, experience a lot of uh, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or similar, uh, what do you call this? Uh, uh, moral injury? This, this is a, uh, yes, yes, not just the moral in- injury. Many of them, or rather most of them, are affected. So how often uh, do we encounter suicide? Uh, they're small in, compared, in comparison to, to, the, to the general population of veterans who come to us. But uh, uh, they, they are nevertheless uh, a priority of the VA. Uh, each uh, medical uh, center has its own uh, uh, statistics on this, uh, but uh, they're not very, they're not very uh, uh, encouraging in terms of uh, what we face. And for you as a chaplain who make your rounds every day and talk to uh, veterans in the wards there at the hospital, uh, you, I'm sure, occasionally encounter uh, some of oh, the vets yes. who are suffering depression, uh, PTSD, right. moral injury. Yes. What uh, share, share with me some experiences that you've had without, of course, mentioning names. But uh, if you can just share with us the kind of experience that you have when you encounter a depressed vet in the hospital. Uh, you see, it's something like uh, uh, they carry this with them. Uh, I, I have cases when I had to deal with uh, uh, moral injury when uh, they felt betrayed, their their uh, uh, moral, uh, uh, you know, understanding as well as their expectations uh, were betrayed uh, during war 
wartime or combat experience. And then when they come home, they bring this with them, and uh, this brings them a lot of traumas, and and they're not able to cope with reality. I have a case uh, of uh, a young female uh, 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 soldier who, after that experience and after being exposed to uh, that combat experience, uh, uh, went into um, a lot of uh, 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 what called this difficulty uh, uh, transferring to to living a life. Later on, of course, experiencing that uh, he has uh, um, colon cancer that has metastasized to the other organs, and uh, all of these symptoms come back uh, like uh, uh, in 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 so much uh, uh, in so deep a wound that when it comes back, it comes back like a revenge, and and uh, these things uh, make it even more difficult for somebody who is experiencing end of life care. Uh, to uh, again restart uh, the journey back to meaningfulness, and that's why uh, when uh, we, we encounter them, uh, we we hold them. They're very fragile. Uh, they're like uh, easily breakable uh, porcelain in our hands. Uh, there was another one uh, who had experienced uh, military sexual trauma when he was 21 years old in uh, in the ship. And uh, for about 30 years, he experienced a lot of difficulties and and uh, skirmishes with the law. Then finally, uh, after being granted uh, military sexual trauma status, uh, he was able to uh, come for uh, therapy and rehabilitation. By which time again, he uh, was diagnosed with uh, cancer. So all of this at end of life uh, has all the, uh, what do you call this, uh, uh, inspiration to to end his life, to end their lives, because uh, what for is going forward? Uh, so, what, so need to do that. So let, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. Physical illness can trigger memories leading to the kind of depression that sometimes lead leads to suicide. And indeed, uh, not just uh, physical illness; it, it kind of triggers it. But uh, many other uh, challenges like divorce or a death of a loved one uh, or addiction, uh, we uh, refer to substance as well as alcohol uh, addiction, which kind of uh, makes it um, uh, even harder to uh, go into the core of the problem. But um, uh, these factors, uh, we call risk factors, uh, are the ones that... Uh, uh, you know, uh, point, indicate to us uh, what kind of help uh, the veteran needs. We try to group them into those that have high risk factors or those that have medium risk factors or those that do not have risk factors. It's part of our SOP when we deal with these things. The very, que- the very first question we ask is, uh, do you have any intention to harm yourself? And when they do, we uh, uh, apply what we call the save, uh, uh, what we call this approach, where uh, we uh, try to um, make sure that um, uh, we see the signs that is F, and then we uh, ask questions uh, to make sure that uh, what they said is what they meant, and then these validate, and that is uh, we validate their experience and E. We escort them. We expedite. We don't leave a, a veteran uh, who has um, 
uh, mentioned that uh, he had she, she or she had intentions of uh, harming himself, and and that's the first step to to saving, in order to kind of bring the veteran back to reality and um, afford them help. So that's the basic approach that we apply. Now I should mention here that uh, anyone listening to this podcast who's dealing with depression, contemplating suicide call the national suicide prevention lifeline that number That's is right. is 1-800-273-8255 that's 1-800-273-8255 and that is 24 7 taylor and uh, we have uh, expert mental health providers who will speak to them this 1-800 number is for them and immediately um we will have to uh, connect them uh, for uh, help as well as uh, if need be for intervention. I had an experience uh, about a couple of years ago, a few months uh, into uh, my work here in San Antonio, when, when a call came after hours. I, I worked up to, uh, at that time, up to 8 o'clock, and it was uh, past 7, and she was screaming and she was panicking, and she was about 120 miles away. And so I, 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 I tried to talk to her. While talking to her, I took my cell phone and called our officer, a security officer in the building here in Odell Murphy. And while doing that, uh, is, I was trying to uh, uh, make her uh, feel at home with me, make her uh, calm her down. But uh, she was uh, kind of helpless and, and she was uh, very irrational. When she put down the phone, immediately I had to check with our security to contact the security as well as the police department of, uh, of the town where she was. And they were able to locate her within 30 minutes, and uh, they were able to secure her safety. And then the immediately following morning, uh, the staff here in San Antonio, 120 miles away, the staff here in San Antonio, that, the team rather, that uh, took that was uh, that was uh, that took care of her. Immediately went into uh, the uh, intervention mode, and they were able to secure her safety as well, and sustain and maintain whatever uh, treatment and uh, and uh, care uh, she was having, or even um, heightened their care for her. Uh, things like this happen, and um, thank thankfully they do not happen very often. But when they do. Uh, our providers here at the VA, especially chaplains, are trained to, to deal with that. But uh, some of the it things takes, it takes a lot of things. Some of the things yes, that right. you you said that lead to the kind of depression that uh, uh, triggers thoughts of suicide are mm-hmm. are psychological uh, addiction, mm-hmm. post traumatic stress, and others are spiritual, like. Moral injury. We we've done podcasts on moral injury, and it's basically right. correct me if I'm wrong, but it's uh, the memory of having betrayed your own most basic values in a high stakes situation, such as right. such as a deployed serviceman uh, having fatally shot an innocent bystander in a combat situation. Right. Yes. The the uh, case I was talking about the the, the female soldier. Uh, she was um, all uh, hopeful when, when she joined the military in 2003, uh, hoping to prove something that uh, women can, can do 
as much as or even more than men can do. And in combat experience, uh, when uh, they were confronted with, uh, with uh, a lot of uh, 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 hidden uh, enemies, uh, his, her rather, her uh, uh, sergeant or, or head of the team said, uh, kill anything that moves. And in the darkness of the night, they just kept on shooting. And afterwards, uh, she uh, witnessed uh, uh, bodies of women and children and the elderly. And she said she was so sure uh, she killed some of them. And that's when, when that's why when, when cancer uh, hit her, she said, I deserved it. God is punishing me for it. And that is moral injury. And uh, that, those are things that, that also trigger um, a tendency towards suicide. As a matter of fact, uh, she attempted twice uh, before she was diagnosed with cancer. So, yes, uh, moral injury, uh, depression, uh, all the uh, things that uh, combat experience gives them are all uh, triggers uh, to uh, uh, hopelessness and suicide. We're talking to Father Alejandro J. De Jesus a chaplain at the Audie L. Murphy Memorial VA Medical Center in San Antonio. Father De Jesus, how do you treat someone who is experiencing that kind of trauma? Um, the approach for um, people who are actually not just um, uh, having suicide uh, thoughts, uh, but all those people, uh, all those veterans who are undergoing uh, traumas and, and uh, effects of moral injury, uh, the, among the approaches that uh, uh, we try to help them with is the ability to forgive themselves. Uh, there are many ways that we can do this, there are many approaches, but uh, their uh, betrayal, uh, their feelings of uh, that God has... Uh, and not forgiven them, and will punish them for, for what they've done. Uh, the approach to kind of heal them from, from these thoughts is actually one of forgiveness, and one of understanding as well. Um, uh, there's no judgment here when uh, we uh, have conversations, when we have visits with them, and we help them in this journey uh, from darkness to light, and uh, from unforgiveness to uh healing and, and acceptance, and uh, later on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, also being able to uh, see uh, the, the effect of hope in their lives and let them recall uh, those instances when they had meaning in their lives and, and, and make them understand that it's possible to deepen that meaning now, to, to rediscover whatever it is that is significant in their lives. And, and if there's any purpose at all that they'd like to, um, they'd like to accomplish. Uh, for instance, uh, the, uh, the case when uh, uh, the cancer patient who had military sexual trauma towards the end of his life, he had a son that uh, he was estranged, the youngest son that he, uh, he was estranged from because the son grew up uh, having a father who wasn't there and having a father who was messed up. And towards the end of his life, uh, actually a couple of months before he passed away, he was able to, or rather we were able to uh, allow him to meet with his son and explain to the son and his young wife uh, what is, what's going on with his father. And finally a reunion was, um, uh, was accomplished between the two. And uh, when they met, uh, 
they could the the veteran could only say forgive me son and the son say i love you dad and that that itself is in spite of uh, in spite of the darkness in his life in spite of the the black reality in his life came light and uh, and understanding so uh, he surely he passed away with so much forgiveness with uh, uh, so much um, uh, wellness uh, not just in his uh, uh, body not just in his mind but especially in his spirit so those are uh, different approaches possible in in dealing with them and then of course taylor if i may quickly add uh, those um, especially those who suffer from suicide uh, we we don't uh, language language uh, affect the way we communicate and the way uh, we affect other people for instance we don't anymore say uh, he committed suicide because we we see suicide as an emotional cancer uh, it's a cancer that uh, after a while you know cannot anymore be treated by uh, medicines and prescriptions just like ordinary cancer uh, we don't uh, blame people say he committed uh, heart attack he he committed uh, diabetes no he, he people die of a disease and people die of suicide so now the language that we use is people uh, uh, he died or she died of suicide we don't say she committed suicide it's like you know uh, nobody commits cancer uh, he committed cancer that's why he died no uh, even the language we use we try to change it and uh, we don't anymore try to uh, say uh, commit suicide because that's judgmental rather we understand them like uh, ca- uh, suicide is an emotional cancer just like any cancer sometimes after all the treatment uh, there's no way that we can stop it and they die of uh, whatever cancer liver cancer or whatever type of cancer it is or heart attack one dies of heart attack in a sudden way so do people who die of suicide it is sudden and it's not a judgment so that's a kind of a approach that we, we look at. And even when we talk about this to people who have expressed their intention to commit, you know, to, to die, to, to, to do something, kill themselves, we don't say, do not commit suicide. But rather, we tell them there is uh, another way to life than dying by suicide. Ending your life is not an option. And we use the language that uh, will help them, that will uh, support them. So uh, for us, for, for your listeners, uh, uh, Taylor, uh, we would like to encourage them, especially for the pastors, to start, uh, you know, expressing uh, their uh, uh, language about suicide and those affected by suicide, especially those left behind by, uh, by uh, you know, by those who die of suicide, so that they will understand this in, in uh, uh, more uh, charitable as well as uh, uh, with greater understanding. The VA says that veteran suicide has increased since 9-11. Why do you suppose that is, Father? Um, well, because of the various wars that the country is in. So now there are more soldiers, and therefore more soldiers mean there are more veterans. But the, uh, uh, more, uh, the, the greater concern here is that of the 20.7 or 21 who die of suicide, only six of those actually uh, come to uh, the VA for help 
for uh, mental uh, health uh, illness, for uh, mental health treatment, uh, for intervention. The other 16 or so veterans who die are actually outside the veteran uh, affairs health. So uh, the uh, the strategy, the national strategy for preventing veteran suicide now uh, is not just within uh, VA. Uh, the strategy by the VA now is to go to uh, the outside community networks. Uh, VA now tries to build up networks that will help them in, in reaching out to veterans, especially those, uh, well, who have not come to us. So uh, we're looking at also checking out on the veteran uh, uh, organizations, like the Disabled American Veterans, uh, Paralyzed uh, Veterans of America, also federal agencies like the Department of, uh, of Health and Human Services, Education, Homeland Security, and the communities where the veterans live. Uh, we try to um, uh, reach out to them, and uh, these are all the uh, uh, networks that the VA has started to communicate, and and programs are actually established so that the community will not just be uh, educated, their level of awareness will not just be increased, but that their participation and involvement will also uh, be enlarged and strengthened because uh, we cannot reach to all the veterans who need our help. And in order to be able to reach out to the 16 some veterans who died suicide, to those percentage of the veteran suicide who have not sought help with the VA, we try to uh, make the community uh, part of the program. So there's support, there's communication, and there's care. So these are the three uh, main areas that uh, uh, the VA would like to build the network with the communities. With. So let me make sure I understand this. Uh, every day, a little over 20 veterans commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Of those, only six have sought treatment yep. from the VA. Right, only six. And where mm-hmm. do you find out about the ones who don't come forth? Well, you see, uh, the total um, uh, veteran population is over 20 million. Uh, about 9.7 million veterans come to us. The others, it's their option uh, to come to the veteran, uh, I mean, the VA medical center, or not at all, or uh, go to uh, private hospitals. But uh, until they enroll, uh, we will never be able to connect with the, the veterans. They need to enroll so that um, they can be counted and they can, um, they, uh, we can uh, uh, provide them the services that they need. And how can they go about enrolling, Father? Oh, they do. They know that. It's a Veteran, uh, a veteran Benefits Administration, VBA, Veteran Veterans Benefits Administration. The, the entire Veterans Affairs Department is divided into three. The VBA, the Veterans Benefits Administration, that uh, process all their applications to be admitted to the VA. And then the Veterans Health Administration, which is the biggest part, which is us, uh, the entire uh, VA VA medical uh, uh, centers and and clinics and and, uh, support uh, uh, facilities. And, of course, the NCA or the National Cemetery Administration that uh, handles or manages manages all the uh, uh, cemeteries for veterans around the country. And for the listener who um, may know a veteran, uh, what are some of the signs of 
the possibility of suicide. The, what, are, what are the signs that uh, a veteran might be contemplating ending his or her own life? Oh, uh, there are many, many signs that, uh, you know, that uh, could uh, posi- uh, positively uh, uh, refer to, I mean, to indicate uh, uh, a tendency, say, to, to suicide, uh, not just depression, but also uh, being uh, kind of lonely, uh, uh, excluding uh, social contacts. Uh, those are basically signs. Addictions, too, are signs that then both uh, substance uh, use disorder or uh, substance use and alcoholism, uh, these are all tell-tale signs that uh, they may have problems uh, uh, with their uh, mental health and therefore might need a mental health provider. Uh, these are what we call um, risk factors, uh, and uh, the, uh, the, the, the level of the risk factors will, will depend on uh, the, the depth of their uh, mental health problem. Uh, other uh, uh, external signs would be violence, uh, would be uh, uh, anhedonia or just simply um, inability to have pleasure, uh, ability, inability to communicate. Uh, many of these are basically um, not just mental health conditions, but also um, uh, problems with uh, bipolar or schizophrenia uh, and psychotic depression. So uh, these are all, uh, some of them are just a combination of them. And uh, the more they're, the, the more that they suffer from more of this, uh, the greater the possibility that they will uh, uh, think about uh, ending their lives. I'm talking to Father Alejandro J. de Jesus, a chaplain at the Audie L. Murphy Memorial VA Medical Center in San Antonio. In the last uh, couple of minutes we have left, uh, Father, uh, just tell me a little bit about your personal background. Uh, how did you wind up being a, a VA chaplain? Yeah, I uh, for over 25 years I've been in education um, in the Philippines, and uh, when I was sent to the United States to... Uh, Complete my doctoral studies, and you know, to augment my uh, my expenses in the in writing dissertation, I I applied for a chaplaincy in a retirement community that had uh, you know a uh, whole uh, kind of uh, spectrum of care. And when I was introduced to healthcare, it kind of tickled me. And uh, even then, I said, "What would my life and ministry be if I have, uh, if I go into healthcare?" I forgot about it and went back to Philippines and became president of the university. But all that time, it was in the back of my mind. Uh, what is it that you know healthcare ministry is so interesting to me? And I finally had the opportunity, so I came back to the United States and and trained for chaplaincy in the Christus uh, Santa Rosa, which is a Catholic uh, uh, hospital here in San Antonio, and it is owned by the same congregation of sisters who. Uh, you know, who owned the University of uh, Incarnate Word, where I finished my study, doctoral studies. And after that, I wrote the Bishop, uh, the Bishop Higgins of uh, the Archdiocese of Military Services. Hey, uh, Bishop, I, I work for four days. Uh, I have three days off. Uh, is it okay if I work at the, the VA? And so he called me and said, I like your essay on, uh, you know, on, on uh, mission and caring for the sick. 
Uh, would you like to go, go to Togus, Maine? Uh, they have not had a Catholic priest for a couple of years, and many of the veterans there die without the benefit of the sacrament. So, sure, uh, Bishop. Oh, wait a minute, uh, Bishop. Um, is Togus, Maine still in the United States? <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about you're talking about uh, auxiliary bishop Richard B. Higgins, who just uh, yes. who just this year retired. Uh, he just retired. Yes. Well, yes, uh, so I, I, I stayed I stayed for three years in, in VA Maine, Veterans Affairs in Maine, and then seven months in Palo Alto, and then in 2017 I came back to uh, uh, San Antonio. In the meantime, all that time. I was trained in hospice and palliative care, and I I I, uh, I, I uh, took my certificate, completed my certification, and then while also in Maine, I was trained for mental health chaplaincy. You see, a chaplaincy uh, uh, is is um, it's, it's challenged in, in many different ways, and and right now the the trend is uh, and the need is uh, to make chaplains. Uh, um, expert in in their field, so that they may become uh, what we call authority, chaplain authority in their area. So that is, uh, the VA has trained uh, trained me in that regard. We've been talking to Father Alejandro J. De Jesus, a chaplain at the Audie L. Murphy Memorial VA Medical Center in San Antonio. Uh, Father De Jesus, thank you so much for talking to me today, and just. Uh, <laughs> Another reminder for the vet out there who may be suffering of depression, or if you know of a vet who is, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Father Alejandro de Jesus, thank you so much for talking to me today. It was a privilege and an honor. Thanks very much, Taylor.